This week, Jared attempts to rationalize his irrational fear of hotel voyeurs. I pine for the good old-fashioned days of gangland violence. And we add to the list of cities where we will certainly not be welcome. I'm Jared Nichols. I'm Paul Tulin. And this is the best pandemic ever. Paul, here we are once again, and today I'm excited because this is field report number two from your uh, questionable travels across the country during a pandemic. Absolutely. Ground truth, man. (laughs) I am predicating all of this on the same perspective that I have for a lot of things, which is, you know, the information that's thrown at us is generally unreliable for all the reasons that we've discussed. You know, it's it's people can't process it at the at the velocity and volume that it is distributed it's distributed on the backbone of a, you know, of a market-driven model. Yeah. Um, so if I want to know what's going on, I have got to get out there and see it for myself. Hundred percent. Right. Hundred yep. percent. And that's the stuff that I can now. That also means that some of my perspective is a little anecdotal, or you know, mostly anecdotal because it's based on what I see only. So that does not necessarily equate to data. But at least I can say, okay, someone said this, and now I went out and I validated it or verified it. And so, okay, and so in along those philosophical lines, we launched uh, the Tulin family FY20 family vacation to Rhode Island, which we do every year. We try to go up there every year because we still have a lot of family up there. Um, and by everything I have been told and everything you have been told, my expectation should have been just a dystopian nightmare. Right. Uh, you know, cars turned over, zombie apocalypse, people just raging at me about however I'm conducting myself if it's not exactly perfect and in line with every and and guess what? It was none of that shit. Yeah, none of it. yeah, right. Um, and so yeah, I can I can we could do this a number of ways. Come Either on. I can prattle on endlessly just for hours. I just want to see how long you go without me responding. Oh, just leave that's you out a bad there. idea because <laughs> you already know the answer to that. Endlessly. Um, uh, or, you know, you can interject your quaint questions where you feel they're appropriate. No. But, um, but we took off. So we took off last Thursday. Typically what we try to do is try to break it up because for those of you who might not know, Traveling the I-95 corridor is not bad from Richmond, Virginia south. Yeah, It's not too bad. It's really straight highway, and the traffic isn't bad. From Richmond north can be problematic in any number of areas. Historically, it has gotten better and better and better. So problematic traffic areas in the history of my driving from, you know, the the pearl of the southeast, Fayetteville, North Carolina, to Rhode Island. have have kind of knocked have been knocked off one at a time. So it used to be Connecticut was always a nightmare. Mm-hmm. There was no ways around it. It was always a disaster. Now that over the last five or ten years has started to has started to correct itself because you know construction and improvements and all yeah. those kind of things. Um, a long time ago, New Jersey used to be a nightmare. Oh. But once they finally finished and completed the uh, New Jersey Turnpike. That that's a that's always a breeze. That is a never breeze. a problem. Right. Yeah. From Fredericksburg, Virginia. Hold on, you, I just lost you for a Baltimore, second. Maryland. So say that one more time because I just lost you there. You froze up. So go ahead okay. and tell us again. So, from Fredericksburg, Virginia. Mm-hmm. No. Yes. yes. Fredericksburg, Virginia to Baltimore, Maryland, has been an absolute shit show for years. Yeah. Why because is that? It is. <laughs> Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. Oh, yes. And it, it, man, and it is, I don't care what time of day you go. Oh, yeah. I don't care what time of year you go. Oh, it worst. is always a worst. nightmare. Yeah. So typically, as the crow flies, you can make that trip in 11 hours and about 50 minutes. That's what the prediction is without stops or anything. From right? here to Rhode Island. That's right. just, yep, that's just mileage calculation in Google, whatever. We've never done it in that. Typically, it takes about 14 hours to do if we decide to do it all in one day, which now that the boys are older, we do. Right, but that's okay. because you've got the bladder of like a two-year-old child, right? Isn't that what you told me? You know, Privately? I have to stop a lot. Yes, yes. <laughs> I have to stop a lot. Between me and my wife, we got to time that shit out because, yeah, this is not so, so this time we decided we're going to do it all. We're going to do the whole smash all in one day. Yeah. Sometimes we'll de- 
if it's like the school year and we're going up there, we'll usually leave in the afternoon and we'll stop in Maryland or something like that and then, and then do it. So we'll divide it occasionally. But lately we've been doing it pretty much all in one day. On the way up there, we did it almost exactly in uh, 13 hours, but we had four stops and every stop was kind of a problem, but not a problem because of anything COVID related. It was just bad stops. Like the people working at the Hardee's were – we're just really slow. You know what I mean? Right. I, I don't know why. It doesn't matter. You know, sometimes they just man. Low exactly. expectations, bro. Right. Sometimes you get a great, sometimes you fly through a place like that. Sometimes you don't. Right. I didn't get anything. <laughs> Benjamin wanted lunch, whatever. So, and on the way back, it was, it was 12 hours almost to the minute. And that was with four stops. And in both going up there and coming back, there was almost no traffic. So, <laughs> The best pandemic ever has affected the traffic in such a positive way, especially in and around D.C., that we hit almost none. Really? We're going to stop and go at what we used to call rush hour, right around 5 o'clock in the afternoon in Connecticut, a little bit. But even then, Jared, it was – I mean just the drive in and of itself was a breeze. Hmm. And so the fact that fewer and fewer people are out and about and doing more stuff at home so that – the occasional time when you actually go out for a major trip has become so much easier. Yeah. I, I don't expect that that will continue. Well, I don't think that that's a thing that we can hope that will be, uh, you know, a fallout from, from the best pandemic ever, but it would be really great if it, if it was, uh, uh, uh yeah, no, I, I think long-term you're right. I don't think that's going to be something that's going to hold, but I do think you're going to start seeing that even more now that more places are going back into lockdown. Like we said, you and I have talked about this many times from early March, we talked about this, is that this idea that we were going to get out of this and go back to normal in a month or two was just, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, and so we've, this has just kind of been an up and down, a little bit of a roller coaster, you know, oh yeah, we're going to open back up, everything's good. And then the misinformation like you're talking about, which we, we're definitely going to talk about that today. Um, I, I remember uh, my wife telling me when she went down to go visit her mom, this was uh, a month or two ago. And she said it was the craziest thing driving through Atlanta and no traffic. And I was yeah. like, that must have been awesome. Because one thing I will say here, and you know this, you and I both living in, in the Carolinas, I have never seen worse drivers than in North Carolina. And, and what I mean by worse, I'm not talking like New Jersey bad, right? I'm talking about yep. uh, just passive aggressive. So if you, we, we have this constant joke. When we travel from here to D.C., well, to Baltimore, technically, to go up and see family. But like you said... And you're right, by the way, because when we'd leave with the kids being little, we'd leave at, you know, 10 o'clock at night. So they're asleep in the car. We hit D.C., well, out, the outskirts of D.C., between Fred, Fredericksburg and D.C., we hit the outskirts there around 2 in the morning. And, I mean, it's just bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic. And then they're taking you on all these back roads and these old historic roads, and you're like, man, you cannot get – it's horrible. So we could have – we could do a whole episode about that, but I don't think anybody could really care to listen to that one. But the point is, is that um, – uh, it's amazing how much, how much you notice when you're not in that constant back and forth, stop and go traffic. It's amazing how much more you take in around you. And uh, I, I'm with you. I think that's one of those things that I would hope would stay that way. I, I would hope that uh, we start thinking differently about transportation, not from just a health and safety perspective, but uh, I think most people, I, I, I You'd be hard pressed to find anybody that says, you know, what I really miss is my commute. I really miss sitting in my car, spending two hours oh, a yeah. day in that car. Now, who's going to miss yeah, that? Yeah, no, and gen and generating all that, you know, all that carbon and all that exactly. heat and all that noise. And look, th there's no two ways about it. No, I, I challenge anybody to send us the study that demonstrates that a decrease in transportation, utilization of transportation, whether it's planes, cars, trains, whatever it is, has not had a positive impact on the environment. Like it's oh, noticeable. Yeah. It is absolutely it is. noticeable. Now, the flip side is I got in my car and we drove up there. So, you know, there I am, you know, contributing back to the problem. But, but my counterpoint would be, yes, but it's a unique circumstance and we're only doing it once a year and we're doing it a lot less and it would be great if everybody was doing that a lot less. Yeah. Now, the the other part of that is in doing it a lot less, you're going to miss out on some of the important connections that we say are being enhanced by the the pandemic. 
Um, so spending more time with people that you care about, mm-hmm. uh, spending more time with them doing quality human interaction. So that's another thing that, you know, this is just another general point before I get into some specifics about, about the field report. But, um, yeah. one of the things that I noticed is, you know, when, when we went to whoever we went to visit, whether it was visiting with my, you know, my sister and her family, uh, Christine, my wife's, uh, brother and his family, if we were meeting, we met some friends on the beach. Um, all of those circumstances were characterized in the same way that it was all really, really, really interactive amongst people because we didn't have any choice. We had to sit outside. You know, there wasn't some TV. Like I've been to places and visited friends and family and like the TV's on in the background and kids kind of get drawn into that a little bit. Oh, a lot of it. And kids are like mad you know I mean? screens. And, and, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and so, and you know, or we go and everyone is just kind of, we, you know, we, we end up watching like a favorite episode of some show and we're not really, you know, and, and this visit, everything we did was interactive. It was, it was playing games outside. It was eating outside. It was talking and look, and we, you know, and every place that I went, we had really lively conversations about all the things that are, that were going on. Um, whether it was, you know, whether it was civil unrest or police reform or, you know, COVID, whatever it was, but they, you know, they were all really healthy, good conversations amongst people who care about each other and who can have those conversations without it evolving into acrimony and anger and, you know, the things that people say that they were. And so, you know, the, the whole trip was characterized by a tremendous amount of human interaction. Now it all had to be you know, safe. And we had to be respectful of each other and all those kind of things. We weren't all on top of each other and you had to gauge everybody's kind of, you know, um, tolerance for interaction and proximity and those sorts of things. Um, we, so when we entered Rhode Island, they had a lot of signs up about, you know, their quarantine policies and making sure you understood them. And so we fell into the category of, we had all been tested within the last 72 hours. We had all tested negative within the last 72 hours. So we didn't have to quarantine for 14 days and all that kind of stuff. Um, oh, wait, wait, let me pause real so, quick. So there's a yep. mandatory across state lines into Rhode Island that you have to quarantine for 14 days. Is that an enforceable? That, how do they enforce it? No, it's enforced on the honor system is what it is, right? Okay. So Because we've talked about Rhode yeah, Island so, before. When yeah, it, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so no, no, it's, it's clearly on the honor system. And they do collect some information. And for a minute, I was a little, I don't know, it felt a little you know, um, a Orwellian, <laughs> yeah, a little Orwellian, like at the hotel, I had to fill out a piece of paper basically saying that either a, I had, you know, been tested in the last 72 hours or I had not come from one of the States that the, that Rhode Island identifies as high risk, which is virtually like all of them. Right. I mean, it's anything, it's like pretty much all is of North them. Is North Carolina um, in there? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. All of them. It's, Cause it's anything over 5%. Oh yeah. Okay. Currently over. Oh, we're yes, definitely there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, um, so I had to make that, so I had to make that declaration and then we went to a restaurant and I'll talk about that here in a minute. We went to a restaurant one evening and, uh, they did take our, our name and our phone number. And again, that was a little Orwellian, but then I kind of thought about it. I'm like, Oh, I get it. If something happens and somebody tests positive, they need to be able to contact everybody that was, that might've been in proximity of that positive case. So they got to notify them. So that I got, you know, if you're, if you're um, uh, what par- if you're paranoid or conspiracy minded, you, you know you're going to immediately think like that that you know police state, um, yeah, la- you know stealing my liberties and all that kind of stuff. And you know me, I mean, I am very kind of libertarian minded, very protective of civil liberties. Same here, yeah. you, know, I, I, you know, I slant that way a little bit. Um, but at the same time, I was like, okay, this all this uh, all of it seemed very very reasonable. Right. Um, none of it was, you know, none of it was heavy handed. It was all very honor system. Um, you know, so if you did have to quarantine now, I can't imagine showing up there, not knowing what was going on and then telling you, you have to quarantine for 14 days. What in a hotel? I mean, either people are turning around, you know, calling it quits or they're going to, you know, they're going to bullshit the system. Right. I, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, we, we fell into the, into the former, Former into the former category of we had been tested, right. so we were good. So, so we you know there's a little bit of paper, but other than that, it was very, it, it everything was very I say open, um, and I don't mean 
open in the way that it is being characterized from an economic standpoint and, you know, and and reopening the economy. I mean, open and uh, welping, welcoming for, for the most part. Now, one of the most popular beaches up there is a place called Narragansett Town Beach. Um, it is a town beach, not a state beach, which means the town actually owns the property on the beach. Oh. And for people who have never been to the Northeast, like, you you know, and when I explained to him, I'm like, well, you have to pay to park, but you also have to pay to get on the beach. That blows people's mind, right? Because <laughs> they're like, what do you mean you have to pay to get on the beach? But it's a town beach, and you have to do both those things. Okay. So in Narragansett, what they've done is they've they've shut down most of the the non-resident parking. So it's for residents only with a little bit of parking. So they have not made it convenient for people to come from out of town to use the beach. Which is smart. I um, get it. It, it is. I, I, I get it. And again – it's not it's it, it still wasn't I didn't feel unwelcome. Yeah, I just felt like I had to make an extra effort. So, you know, us, we got up, I established a beachhead at 0730. I got my real estate, dropped off our stuff. <laughs> Christine went and parked the car a mile away and then she humped it back. You know, what I mean, yeah. not a big deal. man. Yeah. Like you just got a little work like and, and in some ways, that's another thing that that I think is really an awesome outcome from from this pandemic yeah. is that if you want something, you got to work. You got to work for it a little bit. Yeah, that's a good thing. It really is. Yeah, percent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, if you want to go to if going to the beach means you have to park your car and walk a mile. OK, that's not that's not a lot to ask. It's a mile. Right. But you talk to some people and it's like it is the most Herculean, inconvenient unconstitutional <laughs> yeah it's like how you know that they have clamped us all down it's like yeah but you can still go there i mean you just get early you get there early drop off your gear and then go park the car and walk like i don't get it man it's not that big of a deal yeah so that's another thing that i think is you know it's just an awesome is just an awesome effect of this pandemic is that it is forcing people to work a little harder for the things that they want if they want them, which is how it ought to be. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, You're absolutely right. So that was, you know, so that was, that was, so anyway, those are some just kind of general observations. Uh, but I can, uh, but I could also walk you through some of the, some of the specifics of what we saw. Yeah. Right? Well, I'd so, like to hear that, the specifics. Yeah. So on the way, so, and I, and I'm going to, and I'm going to characterize some of the things we experienced by giving you the counter narrative that I received from people, but I am not going to identify the people who gave me the counter narrative because I love them, but they were just crazy paranoid, like really over the top. You know, some of the stuff was just, it was, you know, yeah. I, I wanted to take them. I'd be like, no, no, it's, it's not like that at all. I mean, these are residents up there. Right. Um, so, so one of the things we were told, well, one of the things we were told was about the beach. You're never going to be able to get there. It's, it's unbelievable. You know, there's no parking. People are waiting for hours, all that kind of stuff. We disproved that. Um, but anyway, on the way up, every stop that we made was completely uneventful. Um, you know, whether it was getting gas, getting something to eat, stopping to take a leak. The only thing that anybody seemed to expect, the only expectation was that you'd wear a mask when you went inside. And that was it. Hmm. You know, obviously you wash your hands, you stand, you do that kind of stuff. But for the most part, it was it was such low drama and everybody was doing it. Everybody seemed adequately prepared to do it. It looked like any other rest stop that I've ever made, with the exception is when people got close to a facility where there would be more, you know, there'd be people close in close proximity, like inside the the you know the um the gas station to pick up snacks or whatever they they were masking up right that was it that was the only the, that was the only noticeable difference so what had Otherwise, you been told what had you been told where that was just because that sounds like north carolina yeah i mean as far as all of the other states i hadn't really heard much about what i expected was it would be get it would get really weird once I got into the quote unquote Northeast, right? That's probably so mostly like around DC and Baltimore. Well, I, you know, I, I got buddies who have been to DC say it's a ghost town. It is really a ghost town. Yeah. And I am, you know, we're going to have, we're going to, what's today? Today's the 29th yep. of July. Yeah. Um, so the, what's the, so what's the, the Tuesday, the Wednesday after, so it's the week of August. The week of August 10th or so, we will have field report number three because I will be in D.C. 
Oh, really? And I will let you, yeah, and I will, and I will let you know. Gotcha. So, I got, a, I got, you know, reasons to go there for that, for the nonprofit that I that I work with. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so everything on the on the road was 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 really unremarkable. Um, what I expected was when we get to Rhode Island, it would start getting really weird, you know, and it wasn't. It was the same thing. You know, we pulled into the hotel parking lot, and you know, I got we got our room, and it was cleaned and sanitized with a little sticker on the door to let us know that it had been cleaned. They weren't doing, they weren't doing, um, house cleaning in between, but who cares? We never want them in there anyway. (laughs) Oh my God. I got two teenage boys. The last thing I want is for them to be, you know, Oh, that's funny. uh, Cause I always, I, for me, it's always just more of a, you know, in any time you use the word security, it sounds like, Oh, do you think they're going to steal your stuff? It's like, no, it's just, you know, don't be naive. And I'm not thinking of house. I just don't want anybody in my stuff. I like I'm always yeah. like, yeah, I'm weird like that. I Man, I'll go into a hotel room and and just start like looking for cameras. <laughs> That's another story. I'm, yeah, no, I, I'm, I, sure like, yeah. I'm sure it's all perfectly rational. Totally and, you know, irrational. Yeah, <laughs> totally fine, man. Yeah. So, so no, I just don't like going in there because I'm like, yeah, that's I don't a more want that's a more rational the absolute disaster that we are in that room. You know, for essentially for adults packed into that room. Yeah. Because what I had done was I got two rooms, but I only got two rooms for like the tail end of the trip. Because, you know, it gets expensive and, you know, yeah. um, but I wanted a little bit of space and privacy for Christine and I at the end of the trip. But in the first couple of days, oh, yeah. we, you know, we're packed in there like, you're yeah, it's mission. like you're trying to get somewhere oh, fast. You're like, look, we're not here to vacation and on rest stops. And no, man, it's like we're it's like we're like Irish immigrants coming over to Ellis Island. We're just packed into that thing like <laughs> steerage. I mean, it's out of control. Right. So. So so that part of it was was pretty remarkable. Um and nothing really stood out and and none of it felt like none of it felt tense. None of it felt like um, people were, you know, super paranoid. It was all just so and I can't even honestly, I can't even think of a time when someone jumped on us about, you know, about putting on our mask or anything. Nothing, 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 nothing. So why it was do, all uh, just very reasonable? So why do you think so let's let's get down to this. I mean, uh with the people that actually that you know in Rhode Island that bought into this more apocalyptic narrative, yeah, and you didn't see any evidence of that yourself going up there. No. Why do you think that is? I know exactly. You mean why do you? I think those people have that perspective. No. And why they do were... you think they? If it's not true, and again, like you said, anecdotally, maybe the apocalypse was hiding from you, but you were up there and up and down I ninety five. Um, which yep. you, you passed through. And all around the state, too. I know it's a small state. I get it. But yeah. we were all around the state. The we city went into state. the city. We went yeah. to Providence, Capital City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. City, state. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. So so why do you think that is? I mean, this is, this I think, is the heart of uh, these field reports and just getting out and actually seeing what's happening instead of just listening to the news. But for folks living in that state, how is there such a disconnect between what's being said and then what reality is? I mean, I think for the all the exact same reasons, because, you know, they're getting all of their information thrown at them instead of, you know, finding ways to find their own information and come to their own conclusions. And to some degree, the people that were the most alarmist are, are they're kind of scared. You know, they're yeah. they're, they're scared for it. their safety, they're scared for their, their health. It is a pretty deadly thing. Um, especially for, you know, older folks. Right. Um, and so a lot of the people that were talking that were telling me, you know, giving me the impression that it was that it was apocalyptic um, are older. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I think it's because and so they're not going anywhere. Right. So they've got to, which I understand. Yeah, I, no, I get it. absolutely. They shouldn't. Um, they're immunocompromised. Or they fall into that age group where they have a higher risk. 100%. Stay yeah. home. 100 percent. Right. Yeah. So totally get it. And so, you know, they're basing all of their, you know, and it's funny because, dude, I, you know, s- two of the people that were really, are really nervous about it up there told us what a disaster it would be on the beach. Um, they showed up to come say hi to us on the beach. I'm like, what? The, what? I was like, I couldn't, did you, you know, did I you couldn't call put, them out and be like, hey, this doesn't look so no, bad. No, no, because I don't want to, because I love them. And they, you know oh, what I mean? Yeah, and then like, I call them out like in a shaming way. I just didn't know. Like you and I would call each other out. We'd do that right here on the show all the time. That's just how we communicate. 
And it's like, you know, it's the same. And I was told the same thing by the uh, about about going out to eat. Mm-hmm. It wasn't possible. You two weeks, you know, you needed like two weeks down the road for a reservation. And was, so we said so Benjamin, my youngest, is a huge fan of Italian food. It's his absolute favorite. Kid loves Italian food. And so the quintessential Italian food mecca, I would argue, in the United States is a place called Federal Hill in Rhode Island. It was straight up the epicenter of New England, the New England mafia for years, which means that had really good Italian food. Oh, yeah, those definitely have to go hand in hand. Right. So so uh, and a guy by the name of Raymond Patriarca. And if you if you've never listened to it, I highly, highly, highly recommend a podcast called Crime Town. It is among one of the best podcasts out there. It is a, I want to say, 12 or 13 part documentary. The production value, the story, it tells the story of Providence, Rhode Island, um, and its and its history of corruption and crime. It is fascinating. And for me, it was really nostalgic because I know a lot of the names. Didn't, didn't they make, a, there was a Showtime show, either Showtime or HBO, but I'm pretty sure it was Showtime, and it was all about the political corruption in Providence, Rhode Island, and all the inner workings with the mob. I think it was called Brotherhood. Oh, they may have. I mean, because it's notorious, and it has been. A guy by the name of Buddy Vincent Buddy Cianci, who was the mayor. I mean, his, the trajectory of his. Anyway, not to go down yeah. that, that rabbit hole. If you've never checked it out, you, it is absolutely one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to is this thing called Crime Town. Okay, so we decided to go up to Federal Hill knowing full well that we're probably not going to be able to eat up there, right? right. Not just going to be like, well, so worst case scenario, we figure this is a beach trip. So we've got all our chairs in the back of the van always. So we'll go up there. Worst case scenario, we'll get some pizza from Caserta's Pizza. We'll take our chairs. We'll find a park in the city. We'll sit down and we'll eat pizza. It'll be great. You know, everybody in the, the whole gang is pretty flexible that way. They're like, whatever. So we go up there and we get off the highway and we're making our way up to Federal Hill. And I'm coming up to the road, the main road that goes right through the center of Federal Hills called Atwells Avenue. The 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 dividing line on the road, which is normally two yellow stripes, is actually red, white and green to replicate the Italian flag. Right? Nice. I think they do it every year for like uh, a certain celebration or a, a parade. But anyway, so we're about to. Come, and as we approach it, there's like police cars everywhere. And I'm like, oh, great. Maybe there's been a gangland slaying and the police get the full experience. You know what I mean? They don't do that stuff anymore. So maybe there's been a you know, maybe there's been a you know, a mafia hit and the boys are really gonna get the full experience, right? Oh man. But oh, you know, nostalgia being what it is and things not being that you can never, you know, you can never go home again. No, it wasn't a gangland slaying. What it was was they had shut down the road on both ends. So all of Atwell's Avenue, which is which is mostly restaurants. Is shut down and all of the seating is outside al fresco so that people can eat. Oh, nice. Nice. Dude, it was like, I mean, I was walking down the middle of Atwell's Avenue. Now, my father grew up around that area. So, you know, and he passed away six years ago. So it was incredibly nostalgic and it was really wonderful. And so we're walking down the street and we go to this place called Andino's. Free plug for Andino's. This place is, I mean, if you want Italian food, Andino's is one of the best. Yeah, it's one of the best in the in the world. Anyway, so we go in and of course we walk inside and I said, Hey, they didn't have any tables out front. I said, is you, but they had a sign that says back patio open. I said, Hey, is there any you know, seating on the back patio? And the guy says, Oh, do you have a reservation? And I told him, Oh no, no worries. I, I didn't realize we needed one. And he said, well, how many are you? And I said, there's just four of us. And he said, well, give me a minute. So he looks, he comes back and he said, would you mind eating inside? We're like, no, we sit down inside, and now they got you know they, there's a handful of tables, but they're spaced out because you yeah. know they can only handle people and keep six six, six feet of distance. Um, and they sit us down, and we have this just amazing, amazing Italian meal, you know, fried calamari, mm-hmm. uh, fried fresh mozzarella, chicken marsala, parm, um, uh, seafood, uh, seafood uh, ah, diablo. I forget what the heck that Christine had. Um, and I mean, just just out of this world, yeah. just out of this world. And but what we what our expectation was, we'd never get to sit down. No one was, you know, you can't get it. And I was like, no, it's none of that. It was it was wonderful. And it was open and there were people everywhere. And, you know, again, when people were in close proximity, they were all wearing their masks. No big deal. You know, it was all there's a lot to be said for people's willingness to just take responsibility and do what makes sense. And it's not that big of a deal. And, yeah. and you know, I, I was very. I, I, look, I don't have a good rationale for it, but I was very, you know, 
hesitant to to jump on the mask bandwagon, mm-hmm. right? Um, what is it? Uh, it's because you're an it, asshole. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what did he say in, in uh, Office Space? You know, the Nazis had pieces of flair that they made the Jews wear. Remember, he makes oh, that. Oh yeah. The, you, you don't remember that? You, I know. He, I, t- yeah, yeah. Office Space. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of you know that that wasn't me, but you know that's that whole vibe out there. But that's there, part that of that like narrative this, that's out there too. So hundred percent, yeah, right. You know, it's like oh, 100%. this is fascism and whatnot, and it's just like exactly oh, right. Yeah. So now that wasn't me, but my my, you know, my consternation with it was that it just wasn't it just wasn't going to be effective enough because there's so many ways it can fail in a non-surgical environment, and people are just not capable of of doing what needs to be done to make that. effective actually work and kind of Christine and then just the general vibe helped me come around and say, well, it's better than nothing. And I was like, yeah, I suppose that's true. That's fair. Yeah. It's better than not doing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Certainly under these circumstances, it's better than not doing it. And the other part of it too, that I came around to was if it makes somebody else feel better, that's probably good enough. Right. right. So I've kind of changed my tune a little bit on, on, on masks. Um, and the discovery of the, of the, uh, it's, it's basically the dispose. It's a really lightweight mask that they use. That's like the surgical mask. You get them everywhere. Mm-hmm. They're disposed. But of course, I don't dispose them. I use the same one over and over oh, and over I do again. That for a long time. Yeah. But it's so lightweight. It's great. I mean, it's easy to put on. I'll, t- I'll tell you so, what I wear, man. I, and uh, I thought I might have one actually up here. But uh, but you ought to order it. I'll send you a link for these two. But these neck gaiters. That's great. Just oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, obviously, they're yeah, not yeah. like medical grade. But again, the thing is, is you're just, it's not like I'm sitting there trying to have conversations through this, this mask, but it's easy. It's super easy, convenient. Yeah. Same with the, the other one. It's, you know, it's lightweight. It doesn't pull my ears forward. So I don't look like a car door. <laughs> That's you what know, this is all door. about. You do want to look like exactly. an elephant. It's all about. Oh, it's terrible. Right. <laughs> so silly. I get some big side doors here and, uh, and that mask would like pull them forward. So, oh. but anyway, so between, between an appreciation of the fact that something is better than nothing, an appreciation of. You know, it's it's uh, it's uh, if it makes somebody else feel a little bit safer, then that's probably worth it. And then, of course, my son's perspective, which is, hey, it's just temporary, you know, uh, then all those things. I was like, yeah, you know what? I, I got to kind of come around on this on this thing. Yeah. All that said, I, I was more of an outlier than than everybody else who seemed to have caught on that this is no big deal i'll just do this for whatever the reason is something's better because everybody seemed to be doing everything that they needed to be doing to act appropriately or at least be a little as safe as they possibly can and in doing so it makes it so that people can just kind of do what they're doing now you can't go to the movies we didn't do anything like that um and, and then and then once you're sort of settled then you know the mask comes off and you you wouldn't even know so when we went to the beach same thing you have to wear a mask when you're entering the beach but once you've got your real estate and you sit down, we got our little ten by ten pop up tent. So I really, I really claimed some you really, ground. You did, I, man. Yeah, I hit the beach. We just I claimed ordered some ones. I think ours is, I think ours is a ten by ten. We just ordered it because we're going to Holden Beach. Ooh, you were ordering it because I would have given you some some hard lessons learned over the last fifteen years. We have, We've had this. One. We haven't unboxed it yet. So well, how heavy is it? Oh, it's a beast. That's the kicker. Yeah. Yeah. See. The mistake I made was we have this one. It's lasted us 15 years. We take it to the beach all the time. So it's withstood sand, salt, everything. And it's it's it's, it's held together. It's starting to rip a little, you know. Um, but the problem is it's heavy. Yeah. So it's about 50 pounds. So I got to lug that that's, thing. Once you hit yeah, the sand, mm-hmm. sand, you're, you're, you're humping that thing like mm-hmm. a rucksack, right? You're carrying that thing on your shoulder. So the new one that I'm going to get, I'm going to make sure it's lightweight. Anyway, that's got its problems too. So we, we get some real estate. But the same thing. You hit the beach. You take your mask off and that's it. And then if you go up to the concession stand or if you go to the bathroom, I mean the actual like human bathroom, not the giant fish toilet that you could just walk in. <laughs> that's different. Um, but, you know, like uh, so, you know, you just put it on when you and, and everybody and everybody there again was just there was no there was no anxiety. There was no tension. There was no it wasn't uncomfortable. It wasn't like we felt like taking our masks off was this big deal at all. None of that. Yeah. Um, so all of those experiences. So that's like kind of all of the out in public experiences. And then, and then the private experiences, which was, which was with family. That's and those it. all went exactly the same. There was a little bit of a kind of, you know, finding out where you're at, 
kind of a quick gauge of how do you feel? Do we hug? Do we not? Um, so and everybody was go ahead. Let's let's. So I've I've got this uh, this map. It's this daily updated COVID nineteen map. So it, it shows new cases and then new deaths. You know, and the increase and decrease. So I check this. You're thing. not going to tell me that it like shows my exact path on my vacation, does it? Right. Yeah. You are. You're like <laughs> this is what they're tracing. Yeah, the contact tracing of Paul Tulin. Yep, no, yep. I, this is really impressive. So I've never actually looked at Rhode Island, but here's Rhode Island. New today, zero. They're at 100% decrease and 100% decrease in deaths. So new cases, 100% decrease. They are national ranking. They're seventh for most cases. I guess that's good, but they're doing really, really well. Now you, yep. you take that over to, let's say, well, let's start with Alabama since we're down here in the southeast. Yeah. Oh, so Alabama's got a 27% decrease. That's good. 100% decrease on deaths. Let's go to our state. Let's see how North Carolina is doing. I think we're probably doing pretty good because we've, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's great. We're looking good. 100% decrease in new cases and deaths, just like Rhode yep. Island. So this is very good. But uh, you notice, you start to notice there is, there's, there seems to be this pattern, and it makes sense. Uh, the more people that are wearing masks, the heart, so the more people that wear masks, the harder it is for the, dr- the virus to transmit from person to person. It just has to work extra hard to get through one layer onto the another and then in through that. So going back to what you said earlier, I think that's, uh, that's the important point, is that at the end of the day, how harmed am I being? It's, you know, this, I think the hesitancy, you and I have talked about this offline before, but because the mask wearing became more of this political or ideological thing, which it, which it yeah. shouldn't be, it's not. And even if we try to stay out of that, you can't help but be caught up in that. And, and not, when, when I say caught up, it doesn't mean that you necessarily participate. It's just so heavy around you. Um, we notice that here in the Charlotte area. So we live in, in the Matthews area, technically with Charlotte, but Matthews is, is this part of town here. And on our side of town, you walk into the Harris Teeter. That's the grocery store for anybody outside of North Carolina. You walk into the Harris Teeter uh, nearby where I live here, everybody's got a mask on. Of course, everybody has a mask now because it's been mandated. Yep. But before the mandate went into effect a couple weeks ago, you go across town, and not even far, I'm talking 10 minutes, closer, my parents live over in that area, uh, nobody was wearing a mask. It was very clear, this this political divide. You could almost see it. It was, oh, well, 10 minutes away, you're going to look like an idiot walking into the store with a mask. I mean, I still did it anyway. I really could care less what anybody else thinks. But on our side of town, it was if you didn't have a mask, it, you know, you were drawing a lot of attention to yourself. So we just have this disconnect between uh, what does it mean to take care of each other as a society and how easily we are swayed into taking things that are non-political and making them political and making it something for us to take sides on. And, uh, and that's the danger, right? And that's because of the information overload. That's because of the of the insane amount of misinformation coming from all sides, left, right, you name it. You know, because we, of that, it's just, we, it's it's become ridiculous. We really have to get somebody, we really have to get a, um, uh, not violent, violence is the wrong word, and I was thinking like a, uh, like a really committed anti-mask person on to have like I want to understand what the perspective is. I kind of get it because I like I said I, when I started off I was like oh geez that's just pointless why bother. And I was like okay no I get it you know I kind of came around. Um, uh, I'd like to think it didn't take too long but you know probably took longer than it should have. Um, but I'd like to understand why someone still thinks that it's such a huge deal um, because. I'm not it's sure ideological. that I understand. It's ideological. I guess, no, there's, I mean, yes. there's no physical, I, I mean, <laughs> somebody will obviously find, uh, you know, a counterpoint to this, but there is no physical harm done to you by wearing a mask. None. Yeah. Me yeah. wearing a mask is not going to hurt me. Now, if it comes to extended periods of time, it can become extremely annoying and uncomfortable. Like, like the idea of, uh, Kids, the whole back to school thing in this, we're going to have social distancing and all the kids have to wear masks for eight hours a day. I'm like that. Now that that would drive me crazy. I can't stand to have a mask on for more than these short little intervals. Uh, That is where I could see like, look, this is just this is incredibly uncomfortable in a way that's just you don't want to be hanging out for eight hours with a mask on. But for trips to the grocery store, 
you know, going in and outside of buildings, throw a mask on. It's not a big deal. For folks that still have beef about it, it really comes down to an ideological statement. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be controlled. Uh, I'm not a sheep. This is fascist. Whatever you want to call it. I mean, that, that kind of language is going back and forth, left and right. You know, it's, uh, There's no real reason not to, um, unless it's an ideological statement. Uh, like I said, I really want to talk to somebody. You don't who, want one who, of these guys on here, man. I'm telling you, they will start. I just unless we'd love to hear it though. But the conspiracy. I'd love to hear it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> which would be I fun. We we could rip some of those apart. <laughs> I know how. To yeah, <laughs> I'm just curious. You know why? You know why someone would still cling to that? No. Yeah, yeah. Why not? We're yeah. Just, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we people that are thoughtful and think critically and, and are up for a conversation always welcome. I don't care. You know. Uh, people yeah. that are just mindlessly repeating whatever MSNBC or Fox News is telling them. I was like, yeah, not interested. Clearly, yeah. you've, you've yeah, yeah. So your brain. anyway, so the good news is, again, perspective from the field, if you will, is that, you know, it is a relatively uneventful environment where people are generally doing what they need to do and life is essentially going on. You go to the grocery store. You go to the. We did everything that we wanted to do, and it was better. I mean, look, I'm a competitive guy, kind of. Just and I'm not saying that you know vacations need to be competitive, but if you look at my vacation and you look at yours, I win. I was the winner. <laughs> I was obviously did it better <laughs> because no, I've done. So I mean, like it's uh, no. So it's so. I mean, my point is, it was awesome. Like it was so. Like Christine and I, we got home last night. We gave each other a, a extremely fatigued high five, and we were like, "Hey, we crushed it!" Because we did. It was like everything was everything we wanted to do. Yeah. You know, I um, that. spending. I mean, we went to my. We went to my, my. So Christine's brother lives in Rhode Island with his wife. Um, their kids are two of their kids are are older. One of them is younger. Um, they had one slip past the goalie late in life. So they got kind of, you know, they got kind of a big spread between the two oldest and the youngest. <laughs> um, and, but they were all there. Everybody was there. Uh, and they live in this beautiful, this beautiful home. Uh, with, they get this huge pool. It's just, it's just, it's just amazing. And we had a blast. And then we went and we spent time with Christine's friend, her childhood friend. She's got two younger kids. They live in a working class neighborhood above ground pool. There we go. Um, <laughs> And it, I mean, we went there and it was and we had a we just had a great time. Now, I did meet there two of our friends from New York, Tom and Joseph. Um, they were they live in the city. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask it around. They got out of there. Yeah. Yeah. They got out of there in April. They've been living. They got a very small beach house in um, in a place called Matunic. And they've been there since like I think they've been there since like April. Oh, good. Um, it, yeah, one of them is furloughed. One of them works from home, so so they're still you know still one of them still working, um, and you could tell they were they were anxious. You know, Tom and Joseph were a little more anxious than everybody else. But even them, you know, they they eventually kind of that you know they they it's not like they were standing ten you know ten feet away and you know they they kind of yeah they didn't. They, it didn't feel like they weren't part of the of our gathering. We had you know we had a bunch of people there, but well that but let's talk about there. that real quick. That goes back to yeah, yeah. what. What we've talked about before, whether on the show or not, uh, I can't remember because we're so disorganized, right? <laughs> but we've talked about yeah, this. No, yeah, mean, we just, we just yeah, let it rip yeah, if, it, if you can't tell. You know, yeah. <laughs> we have a vague idea of what we want to talk about. <laughs> but it's the – so I, I think this brings it around to say that there is this uh, perception that's out there that everything is going to hell. That's also – I think that's geographically based as well. Um, my friend Lolly – uh, who lives in Manhattan? She and yep. I spoke yesterday, and she said uh, the crime is through the roof. She she needs to get out of New York City. People, she's been there this whole time. She hardly ever goes out. She was starting to tell me, you know, news on the ground is that it's still like a war zone. It's not, you know, that that uh, right there. And she lives this nice area in Manhattan, you know, like where you don't expect crime to be or anything. She's like, yeah, we got stray bullets around the corner. I mean, there's like shootings going on up the street. And I was thinking, what on earth is happening? And then you hear, uh, you know, from other cities, even Charlotte. Charlotte's murder rate, I think we we surpassed it a while back. We surpassed last year's a while back. 
But Charlotte's uh, murder rate is continuing to go up. Violent crime in Atlanta, in a lot of places, apparently is continuing to go up. But there are certain places that most of the places that we tend to travel back and forth between, unless you're in a big metropolitan area, uh, the story seems to be quite a bit different. So I think that uh, recognizing that wherever you're located, it might be a bit more apocalyptic than what uh, Paul and I talk about. But again, there's always that, the anecdotal parts. Like, hey, I haven't seen it. Doesn't mean it's not true. It just means I haven't seen it. Yeah, but okay, okay. But wait a minute. But, but, but is it because of the pandemic or is it because of the anxiety that's being created over the pandemic? Oh, well, I think it could be a, a, a it's got to be a mix of, of all of those things because the anxiety created over the pandemic, the, the biggest fallout, obviously there's the health of those who are immunocompromised, fall into a higher age category that are really susceptible to this disease. But the economic fallout, this is the shitstorm that we are in and we're going to continue to see happen. Um, you know, we, we are lucky. We're, we're blessed to be in a position where we're not dependent on, well, you are dependent on the federal government, but dependent on an employer. I was going to say, you know, yeah, not yep. for much longer, right? Yes. Yep. But you know, we're, you're, we're, we're not in a position where it's, hey, you're wondering, where's my next meal going to come from? A lot of people are running into that now. That's a very real thing. Um, so that, if that doesn't get fixed soon, I just think the anxiety and uh, the sense of desperation and then also the ability or the um, the uh, what's the best word I'm trying to think of here? I guess the angst that is put out on the news, like everything's going to hell. That's mm-hmm. just going to exacerbate the problem. So, yeah, I, I, the reason for it uh, could be could be debated and could be discussed in depth, but it's what I'm hearing from people on the ground who are saying this is what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, thankfully, we don't have any of that happening around us, but it also does make you think, okay, well, it doesn't mean that it wouldn't. It doesn't mean that it couldn't happen here. Of course it can. A pandemic doesn't really, uh, it's, not a, it's not a class-based thing, right? A pandemic is going to hit the economy and that's gonna affect everybody differently, but there's general anxiety all the way around because of it. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, like I said, my, my experiences on the ground are telling me that, that the situation is actually relatively stable when you go out and you interact with people. And I interact with people on a wide scale, right? And I don't mean like I'm in people's grill all the time. I'm saying, <laughs> right. you know, I'm seeing, I'm seeing a wide demographic in a wide, you know what I mean? I was yeah. on the east side of Providence. I was in, you know, Federal Hill. I was in Narragansett, Rhode Island. You know, so I, was in, so I was in a broad spectrum of demographics that you could arguably say, oh, well, that place would be a little different. And I'm telling you, I didn't sense that. And look, I'm not clueless. I'm not some dolt walking around, you know, with my head no. in the clouds. You know, I have a pretty good sense of situational awareness and, you know, my operating environment, what's going on. And I'm just not feeling it in any of the places that I go. I'm not feeling tension. I'm not feeling fear. I'm not seeing it. And I'm not seeing it in the interactions that I have with people. Right. Um, okay. So maybe in the middle of the night, that would be different. You know, maybe obviously again it's anecdotal i'm not seeing i'm not seeing everything that can be seen of course i'm only one person but you know that's why that's why you know my field reports from california which we didn't characterize as field reports we should have but you know my field report from rhode island my future field report from dc um is the the sense that i have is that it is relatively stable and people are coping okay yeah 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 and I'm sure there are going to be people come up on the net and be like, screw you, man. No, you know, no, I, really I'm, bad. I, I, I'm with you. I mean, I have not experienced. Uh, so when I talk about things like New York City, that's just what I'm hearing from people that live there and that are there right now. It's a different yeah. experience. So, but me personally, no. Even when we went through Atlanta and we were down in uh, uh, the Pearl of Georgia, Columbus, Fort Benning. So no competition right. for Fayetteville. Fayetteville is the Pearl no, of no, South, no, it's, without a doubt. Yeah, I don't know. Columbus could be yeah. could give it Fayetteville a run well, for you its do, money. You I know, it, it does border Phoenix City, Alabama, which really kicks it up a few notches. But uh, yeah. yeah, so there's a good chance we should we should. We are, getting, we are getting on a lot of Chamber of Commerce hit lists. Oh, we, without, a doubt, up, without a doubt, without a doubt. And on that note, this this episode is being sponsored 
by the Fayetteville Journal. <laughs> <laughs> so we just trash every other, every other town. Yeah, so, uh, you know, one thing I think might be good, Paul, is if we have somebody from one of these areas where reportedly things are getting bad. I mean, Lolly's somebody we could bring on the show. So you tell us, what are you saying? Because yeah. in our experience, we're not. And, um, uh, and again, that's not because we don't think that it's happening. It's just experience does matter. I think, I think you're right, though. And again, I say I think, so I don't have actual data to back this up. We really do have to start doing some fact-checking. But uh, on a grand scale, is everything falling apart? I don't think so. I don't think that, I don't, I have not seen any evidence to show that on a grand scale things are falling apart. I've seen a lot of uh, hyperactivity highlighting small pockets of things that are, of course, if that is all you're looking at, it looks like it's much bigger than it is. But uh, like what's going on in Portland, I've been listening to folks who live in Portland and are actually going down there every single day and they're saying, you know, they're, they're helping to clarify the situation. If you watch it from a distance, you're thinking, oh, Portland's burning. It's not burning. There's certain parts oh, of it at certain times of day that are, but there's a lot more going on there than we than we know about. And it was just like with Chaz or Chop or whatever in Seattle, yep. that shit show. I mean, it's like, you know, we really, really have to question everything that we hear and see and recognize there's always an agenda behind it. I don't care if it's NPR. I don't care if it's CNN, if it's Fox, if it's MSNBC or anything else you listen to or read. There's always going to be an agenda. And that's I'm not saying... And I'm not saying that there shouldn't be news that doesn't have an agenda. That's that's just human nature. But be aware of it. Don't be so easily suckered into it because it starts to dictate the rest of your life and the rest of your experience of your regular day-to-day interactions. It's just that, you know, so. And I would say not only are we finding that, you know, the world isn't burning and that things are relatively stable and calm, but this is the whole point of what we're all about is that, there's a lot of positive coming out of this. Yeah. There's a lot more quality human interaction. There's a lot more people who have to walk a mile to get to the beach than getting dropped off. There's fewer people on the road. On and on and on and on. That is the point of the best pandemic ever podcast. That is. is that is not only is thing are things not falling apart. We have figured out there's there a lot of good shaking out of the bottom of this thing. Yep. And it is our job to kind of articulate those, even though I don't think we articulated any of them on this particular not podcast. Not a bit, I'm sure. So, <laughs> so we completely have not done what we were supposed to do. That's it. such a we'll self-serving try to do better podcast. Next time. So why don't, you know, why don't you walk us out? I think we probably have lost everybody's attention by this right. point. Right, anyway. I'm sure. Well, although I, I think a lot of people really want to travel the I-95 corridor now, thanks to you. So yep. for sure. Yeah, you're welcome, East Coast. So, uh, of course, thank you. For listening to the show if you made it all the way to the end you are the lucky special guest winner who will have an italian dinner with paul tulin in the pearl of the south fayetteville north carolina chicken parm on me man there yeah, it is. If you're actually still here i would i would do that that's right yeah we're gonna need to see an official timestamp to show that you actually listened to this entire podcast all the way through but otherwise congratulations now more importantly if you have not subscribed to this show please please Stop making poor decisions. Make a good decision today and subscribe to the show. And pass it along to your friends as well. And uh, we do want to hear from you. We want to hear your comments, your questions, or know about your experiences, and, um, and recommendations for topics. Because clearly, Paul and I only have like two or three that we're just going to keep recycling over and over and over again. So help us out a little bit. We'd appreciate that. Uh, otherwise, stay tuned for our show next week, and we'll see you then. See ya. See ya.